This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. I've noticed I've been a little remiss, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to check out AMI Plus out there. Lots of great content you can find off of the website. You can check out different shows, of course, all with accessibility in mind, and enjoy the variety of content that uh, is being produced and funneled right here through AMI. Uh, Check out AMI audio content, AMI TV content. It's all there. Digital shorts, all sorts of stuff. Check it out through AMI+. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get to our Friday staple, which is the app update with John Beeler, where we talk tech. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia, where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, we're covering a a few different um, major tech companies today. Let's start with Google because they're introducing new generative AI features in Chrome for Mac. This is very specific. Yes, it's very specific. And specifically, it's also right now just for U.S. users and you can't have an enterprise or educational account. So this is basically for Gmail users that log into Chrome with their Gmail account. But I suspect that this will be rolling out across all accounts fairly shortly, including Canada. Okay. Um, so I wanted to sort of touch on a couple things that may or may not be useful, but then there's a couple things that actually I think could be really useful to people. So one is something like tab organization made easy. So this will uh, basically allow you to um, have AI sort of interpret all the tabs that you have open and who doesn't have a dozen or hundreds of tabs open uh, and organize them into groups. And it'll it'll look at the types of content in those tabs and give you suggestions to how to name those groups so you can make maybe easier find things. So like maybe, you know, here's your work stuff, here's your personal stuff, here's your hobby stuff, that kind of thing, which, you know, is kind of useful. Um, then they have custom themes. So you can use the text to image diffusion model for Chrome to create personalized themes to theme your Chrome browser. This can do things like generate background uh, images and uh, add visual style, that kind of thing. Again, maybe not as useful to most people, um, but I think the more interesting thing is AI writing assistance built right into the browser. And this will allow you to basically right click on a text box or a field. So like in the context of a website and there'll be an option to help me write. So if you're stuck or you don't know how to like start a thank you note Uh, or an RSP or something like that, it can do that right in the context of the website that you're on, which I think is actually probably pretty useful for a lot of people. That's the one that we, yeah, definitely most likely be using more than anything. Uh, it, the other stuff, though, like the organization part of it, you kind of sounded a little dismissive. Is it already all over the place where we can tell that people aren't using these things? Or is it just that well, it's not super unique? I guess it depends on how you like to organize your tabs. Um, I think that might be different for everybody. I'm not sure i would use it myself um but uh i think for some people that especially if you have out of control tabs it might be one way to wrangle them <laughs> what does that even mean okay yeah <laughs> Are we using sometimes in my browsers i have hundreds of tabs Do open you actually wow okay uh like day in the life of a tech guy but okay and then is there anything else or more about that um 
uh, you know, fill in with the, with prompts I, things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this basically sort of plugs in Google's AI tools into the browser at the browser level, which I think is going to be interesting because you're not going to have to go to like ChatGPT and paste something in yeah. and ask it a question. It'll have a little bit more context as to what you're doing. So I suspect that, uh, you know, because the browser is going to be understanding the, the context and the page that you're on and what you're trying to accomplish, there might be a little bit quicker uh, getting to the end point where you actually get your results that uh -huh. are helpful. Google's sort of positioning this as a way to help people get confidence in writing about things that they may not be comfortable with, or at least maybe need a starting point to, as like a template to, to begin with, and then they can go in and customize it for their liking. I don't know about that. I think it's just going to make it easier, though. Like, we don't have to do it anymore because it'll do it for us. Um, but generally, though, I think that this is a great ne next step for us talking about AI assistance in these ways and productivity and workflow, uh, that it makes sense that they would just start implementing these features into browsers, into our programs. And n like you said, not having to go find the external source of ChatGPT to then paste back in, et cetera. The one thing that I will say, and I know you're probably going to bring it up next if I didn't mention it, is it's still unclear uh, in the context of the browser and on the website that you're on, what kind of information is being sent mm -hmm. back to help feed That's the AI it. model. Yep. So the whole privacy aspect is ever-present. Well, and Google, and we know right? so like, much of the learning, right? We talk yeah. always about learning and needing what they need. Google has clearly been out there. John, is there a reason... Um, and when I say this, I obviously understand we're rolling it out to a select smaller a smaller group for testing and so much we're trying to learn. Um, do you like this way that this is being sent out to this kind of group of people um, when it comes to cross-section of people still being able to use it that aren't necessarily educational, not, a, not workplaces necessarily? Is this a better way of, let's say, testing this? I, yeah, I, I do. I think testing it in a smaller group presumably with less importance uh, because you're not trying to do yes. work stuff with it, although you could easily use work stuff uh, with your logged in browser using your own Gmail account. It's not uncommon. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it, I think it is, Kelly. I think it, it, it really sort of narrows the focus and it gives uh, Google some actual practical feedback on what these tools and their usefulness and things like that. We've seen lots of examples of Google sort of uh, mothballing different things because mm -hmm. no one's using that kind of thing. So this will give them a much smaller data set to start that investigation um, and also mitigate things like privacy concerns with your enterprise yes. account, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You don't, less likely that some big company is going to say, you know, we are allowing our staffers to use this and this is what happened as we forge in. Um, ambient light sensors, John, they can reveal your device's activity. How big a threat is this? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying it's not yet, but this is a really interesting thing that researchers have discovered. There's actually a, a few case studies where they're able to uh, utilize these light sensors that are present in pretty much any device you have these days uh, that detects the ambient light uh, brightness around you, but also um, it's just the, the kind of the way the sensors are located in the device. People are specifically scientists are actually able to determine in some cases what you're actually doing on like a touch screen or gestures and those types of things because you're interfacing 
some in some way with these ambient light sensors. Wow. And there's a lot of reasons why this is not a threat per se right now, because the the bad actor would have to know a lot about the device you're interacting with to know exactly the placement on the screen, where the sensors are, what you're actually interacting with on the screen, those types of things. But an interesting uh, data point that they mention is that currently data or ambient light sensors are one of the few sensors on uh, Android and iOS devices that has no permissions attached to it. Uh, right. Oh. Yep. Uh, so that, so any because that or... just works with the light lights around you. Is that right? Like if you, as you go into the evening, things will change yeah. on your display. Is that what that's all for? Detecting Yeah, that? well, just think about the light switch in your house. You don't need to put yeah. a lock on it. Generally. Right. So it's the same thing, wow. but the fact that these sensors could also sort of reveal a little bit more about what you're doing, and it's also an attack vector for uh, software and apps to sort of peek into a space that previously wasn't thought was even peekable, and and currently there's no permissions attached to that. So um, I, I don't think it's a threat now, but I wanted to sort of highlight this because this is something that could get uh, worse as we get into these more bigger displays where there's you know yes. um, a lot of interactivity happening to them and stuff like that, and they get much more uh, connected to the internet. Wow. Uh, and especially if you think of things and I don't know how much this is being with, but, but televisions even, right. As people start doing more and the touch screen starts doing, you know, as that kind of starts becoming a thing for monitors. Well, everything's like connected to our Wi-Fi now. Could be such a problem for people seeing what you're doing, what you're mm -hmm. watching. Yeah. Even an advertiser would love that. Oh, you utilize this. The streamers would love it. That well, data. and these sensors uh, generally probably are much more sensitive than than the application they're being used for. So there's right. nothing to say that perhaps, uh, uh, I don't know, like a virus or something could actually like read the sensor values and be able to determine by the flashiness of what's happening on your screen as to what you're actually watching. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, it, it's always like that, right? It's kind of that same or a parallel conversation of our um, smart devices are always listening to us because... They are waiting for the wake word and all these other things, but technically that means they're always listening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I understand that you brought this up to be warned about for future scary content. That's what it is, right? <laughs> Down the road might. Yeah, You know, exactly. in a month or so. <laughs> exactly. Um, but let's talk about a potential new era of sm smart wearables, which is the Samsung Smart Ring. Yeah, this was something that Samsung unveiled uh, in their recent unpacked event, and they kind of kind of snuck it in at the end, kind of almost like Apple, like one more thing, uh -huh. and they didn't give us a lot of details about it. But this signifies a, a pretty major uh, deal, I think, in the smart wearable space, which has been dominated by watches of all shapes and color and style. Um, but the smart ring has kind of been this sort of outcast and a very small segment of the population has been using them. Uh, there's a there's a company called um, uh, Aura, and they have kind of been the only significant player in the space. And they also have significant patents on a lot of the technology in these rings. And if you think about what this means by having a ring instead of a watch, especially for the accessibility crowd, where it's just passively being a sensor for your body, for your health, all those types of things. Without a screen, your battery life lasts longer. It's also a much smaller little device. 
potentially it's less expensive. And then it will be either um, able to self-contain, uh, capture all that data and then sync at a later point in time, or it'll just be paired with your smartphone. And this is the first significantly large manufacturer, Samsung, that has sort of thrown their hat into the ring saying that this is coming uh, and we're going to change the game is what they're saying. So, and you know that uh, other Android developers or, or uh, manufacturers are going to sort of start playing in this space because Samsung sort of gave them the the, the go-to. And then, of course, Apple might pivot and start adding rings as well because these companies all tend to leapfrog each other constantly with innovations and things like that that they're doing and spending time on. Yeah, yeah and, and again, for a lot of people who want, need so much of the data that these things can give... Um, it's that kind of what would you rather wear? You know, it was kind of nice That's to have a, a watch, nice to have about. jewelry, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a preference. But is it like you know, because I was at one point really looking into um, getting like basal body temperature, and then there's rings, but then there's also watches. Apple recently uh, put it into their latest watch, and then there's all kinds of other um, devices that are meant to be specifically worn, you know, by your elbow or whatever, uh, skin contact there. So I'm right. curious. Curious, like, are rings themselves becoming a more, you know, like a better way of doing a wearable versus the wrist? Is there anything more about that? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things at play here. One is a ring is much more passive. Yes. When you have a watch, especially in a public setting, you're distracted. You might as well have your smartphone sometimes, right? True. Because mm -hmm. yep. you True. For sure. Yeah. To see stuff. Whereas a ring is just capturing data in the mm. background. Um, so, and it's also one less thing to, you know, bang on a wall or, you know, a door or whatever. Um, and some people uh, are can be, you know, uh, pretty clumsy with their devices. And so they're only going to buy so many Apple Watches before they, you know, run out of money because they keep breaking them by smashing them. Right. This, yeah. this, uh, this concept of a ring is much more, um, I think, uh, inclusive in the sense that Anybody can wear these and not have to worry about you know damage and those types of things. I think Kelly touched on it. Like, would you rather wear a watch to bed or would you rather wear a ring to bed? Sure. Yeah. I hate wearing my Apple Watch in bed because it's just yeah. something I'm going to bang into the wall or or something. And yeah. um, I'd much rather wear a ring. Um, even that though, for some people, can be a bit hard to do. Um, but I guess it just really depends, and we don't really have a lot of information about what. Samsung's planning with their sensors is like, well, what kind of sensors is this actually going to track? Is this just a fancy pedometer or is this going to have some other deeper sensors that they can utilize that? Um, and I have no idea from a medical standpoint or a health standpoint, what kind of data can you get from a finger area? Finger. Because you mentioned exactly. elbow area. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, yep. Yeah. Um, because so you I are think it's after exciting. that. Yeah, because people are going to be, John, after that, especially people with health concerns. They want to know their blood pressure. Is it going up? They want to know all those really important things that we've been seeing the Apple Watches touting and saying, hey, we can do that. And for most of us, I like to think, oh, I can get that much through my wrist or they can get my, my oxygen level through my wrist. So it would seem to be in that little crevice in your finger. Maybe that's even more direct. Maybe there's doctors sitting there listening to us now saying, guys, it's easier to get it there. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. But so exciting because, as you say, a ring is less intrusive, whether you're jumping in a pool, even if you have a watch on that's waterproof. What a, what a very interesting take. And I, th I think if they work, it'll really go far.
But it's when Samsung jumps in, it not well, obviously in this case it's Samsung, but it's when one of the bigger giants jumps in that we start to really hear about it, right? And that's why it's interesting yeah. that now Samsung's done it, now we're thinking Ring, because the stuff is already out there. Like the tech is already out there. There are a lot of different types of wearables for specific reasons other than, you know, like the way we think of the Apple Watch that is out there, but we don't necessarily hear about it unless you go seeking it out. And then what you trust medically, right? Especially there, like there's some yeah. organizations and companies yeah. are going to put something out and you're, you're going to believe it more than maybe Apple or somebody else doing it. Go ahead, John. Sorry. I was just going to say the, the other big thing is the, the, the tech has been around, it's in watches and other things like that. But now you've got someone like Samsung with very deep pockets that can yes. actually put the investment into miniaturizing this technology, yes. um, making it more useful for a wider group of people mm -hmm. and, just really invest in getting it out there. Um, the Aura Ring is is an amazing piece of technology, That's but not it, a lot. Yeah. Of mm -hmm. Exactly. No. Exactly. This is exciting. Wow. John, super cool. Thank you. You're we, welcome. We will chat with you next week. You will. John Bueller, he joins us for our app update. That's on Friday, and uh, we talk all things tech with him. Up next, we'll have the buzz. Uh, Beth Deere will join us, and we'll see what she's got to talk about today. Stick around. We'll be back in about two minutes. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.